You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Gifted. Go to Matthew chapter 2. As it turns out, the word gifted is not just something you could describe yourself with, it's also a verb. And you can say, I or we gifted something to someone else. You could do that if you put something in your will. You say, well, we've gifted this property to this family member, this friend, this institution. Let's jump in here in Matthew chapter 2, actually in verse 1, and get down to the part we're going to talk about a little bit. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Now, by the way, if you've never seen this, very fascinating. You say, well, they followed this star, and it kind of got them to Jerusalem. How did they know to go specifically to Bethlehem? They were told. So do you think they knew before they got there that the specific city was Bethlehem? Doesn't say that, but it doesn't say they do, doesn't say they don't. But if they had any doubt about, okay, we've come looking for this king, do you know where he is? And now Herod seemingly saying, oh, I'm excited with you about this, but he's wanting to kill this kid, not go worship this kid. But he goes asking, okay, where's the king coming from? So everybody in town that finds out about this and is a party to answering Herod's question, they are answering it based on the Messiah's birthplace. So if they are not believing that this is the Messiah, why would they say to the wise men who are looking for the king who has been born, go to Bethlehem because that's where we're waiting for our kid, our little baby to be born of a virgin. So he tells them, Bethlehem, go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. So the star keeps going, but now they know specifically where it is, so the star and the birthplace line up. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So they got out of there, didn't tell Herod they'd found him. If you keep reading through the gospels, you find out that Herod sent and killed every newborn from two years and younger because Jesus, when the wise men went, was not an infant. He was a young boy still there, and he's trying to wipe out any kids. So massive slaughter, terrible situation, all an evil king trying to destroy the king of kings. 
So these three wise men show up with these gifts. It's fascinating to me that they brought different gifts. So the parallel for me is this. We are all gifted in some way just because we have life, we have breath, we have the gift of life. Maybe you're gifted and talented in some way, you're not even a Christian yet. But if you are a Christian, now this is something a lot of Christians don't understand. You say, well, I'm gonna die and go to heaven, that's what becoming a Christian is about. Yes, and it is about you, the fact that you are still here, he leaves you here for a reason, and part of the reason he leaves you here is that he gifts you You have been gifted gifts, spiritual gifts, and when you become a Christian, that's what lights up in your life, and that's what you pursue, and he places you, as we'll read in a minute, in the body of Christ, as the body of Christ, for specific tasks. So you say, well, I don't like my gift. You don't get to pick. I didn't get to pick my gift. You say, well, but if you weren't even a Christian, maybe you'd feel comfortable speaking in front of people, not in God's behalf. So yes, you can give speeches, maybe you can tell emotional stories, but you cannot stir the hearts of men and women and children without the person of the Holy Spirit taking your gifting and mixing that with his power and something happens you can't do without him. Now you may be upset about your gift. Well, why didn't I get that gift? I highly recommend you stop complaining about your gift and thank God you got a gift, first of all, of eternal life, abundant life, and then whatever this is, he's put you in the body to do. You say, but nobody knows about me. Nobody knows about me. You know, you're up there talking and doing your thing. Everybody knows who you are. They don't know who I am. You got to be okay with that. If I got to pick between my heart and my mouth, you can have my mouth. I got to keep the heart or I'm dead. So the Bible talks about certain things that are your uncomely parts, the things that really mattered, no one ever sees. And frankly, you don't want them to see them because they sustain your life. The other thing I love about these wise men And please hear this, because I have never seen this in my entire life. They did not send the gifts. These are wise, rich, powerful men. And they could have said, on behalf of our congratulations to your kid, here's a gift. No, they loaded it up. We are in person going to deliver our gifts. You have to show up. You can't send someone in your place. Now you say, well, Jesus did, not initially. We are his ambassadors now, and we go into the world representing him, but he did not send someone else. He came himself, born of a virgin, lives a sinless life, dies on a cross, buried, raised from the dead, to make available this gift of eternal life, this gift of the gifts that he gives us, to have an impact in the world, and that's where you show up personally. Go to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse one. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Well, how is that possible? She put in like less than two pennies, nothing. For all these, looking at the other people, out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. It's very fascinating how it's easier to give everything when you have nothing. But unfortunately, the more we have, the harder it is to part with what God has given us. You say, oh, wait, wait, wait. God didn't give me any of this. I worked for this. Really? Really? Yeah, I did all the work. And where did you get the breath 
Where did you get the brain? Where did you get the strength? Oh, I'm a self-made man. I hope that works out for you at the great white throne judgment one day where you didn't even need God. There's a story about a rich young ruler who goes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do you know, to inherit eternal life? And so he tells him you know, what he has to do. He says, I've done all that. And Jesus says, well, you're good to go. Just, you know, only thing I can think of is go sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Head drops and walks away sad because he was really wealthy. That was his problem. I've often wondered, how would that story have gone if he had just done what Jesus said? Now, is that what everybody's supposed to do? I don't think so. But that was his issue. What if he had sold all that he had, given it to the poor, and followed Jesus? You say, well, he would have been poor the rest of his life. You don't know that. Sometimes God lets it all be taken away or asks you to give it all the way just to see if you own it or not. Or if it owns you. And then he might restore it all multiple, multiple fold. Go look at the story of Job. God allowed Satan, and it was his God's idea to allow Satan to come after Job and crushed him. But if you go read the story after, more kids restored multiple fold. Now, it doesn't mean God's always going to do that. Just make sure you're not holding on to something that he gave you and you love it, the gift more than the giver. That's when it gets scary. People I hear people say, oh, these children are my life. Ooh, I'm like, wow, wow, this is not going to be good for you. I told somebody this week, I said, if you think about getting married, make sure you find someone who loves Jesus more than you and you'll be okay. You said, but I want them to worship me. No, you don't. Worship someone who can't die on you. And I got somebody in mind if you're looking for somebody. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this is Peter speaking. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And sooner or later, that will be your question when you're confronted with the gospel, when you're confronted with the truth of Christ. You will have that question, what do I do? You can't imagine how many people just don't know what to do. Help them. Christmas is an interesting time, and if you know what's going on, at least in America, you have, sometimes you have a tree. If you have a tree, you put presents under the tree, and they're all wrapped up. You can't see what they are. So if someone didn't know anything about Christmas, and you told them, well, part of Christmas is gifts. So we got you some gifts, and they're under the tree. So you go, wow, that's amazing. So how does this work? Usually at our house, you go, somebody gets the gift, and they read the label and go, it's for you. What do I do? You unwrap it. So you say, well, anybody knows how to do that. No, they don't. What if I take the wrong one? I didn't know my name was on it. There is a gift that God offers with your name on it, and it's from him. And you say, well... So like, I just, you're just going to give me this thing? Just going to give it to you. I am yet to sit around after Christmas and at the evening and get my brother, sister, everybody and go, okay, so here are all my receipts. I spent, you know, $230 on your family. What'd you spend on mine? Okay, here's the difference. Merry Christmas. You think, well, that would kill it. Exactly. Because you can't pay for a gift. You say, yeah, you can. Somebody paid for it. Yeah, but the receiver is not the payer. The gifter is the payer. So this messes people up a little bit because they go, okay, so I'm a sinner. You want me to admit that I'm a sinner. Okay, I'm a sinner. 
I'm actually a scumbag. I've actually stuff that I hope God doesn't even know I've done or thought or said, but it turns out he does. And so you're telling me that he wrapped up his own kid, shipped him down here, let him live, die, be buried, raised from the dead, so that you could present me with this gift, eternal life, and it's mine for the taking. Absolutely. Don't make it so hard when it's not so hard. It's really hard for him, but it doesn't have to be hard for you. And if you can explain that to someone who has been confronted with Christ, then you can help them unwrap their present and turn their past and their present into a future that's a whole lot better than what they've got. So they say, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So, and I'll read you a verse in a minute, that faith is a gift, eternal life is a gift, and the Holy Spirit is a gift. Now, there are some people who go, oh, you got to pray and, you know, get some second thing from God. Now, let me say this very clearly because you're going to hear something somewhere else differently, I'm sure. When I became a Christian as a young boy, I got the Holy Spirit. He moved inside my body. I got all of God that I would ever get that day when I believed. I just didn't know how much I had gotten that day. When you became a Christian, you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit indwelling your body, your life. So if he's in there, you say, well, then how could I have the Holy Spirit living in me and live like hell? I don't know. That's a great question. You should maybe have a conversation with him about that and say, Lord, this shouldn't be possible. And he'd say, you're right. So why don't you start listening to me and let my power, my life, take over your life where you find out you can do what I'm asking you to do, go where I'm asking you to go. Say what I'm asking you to say. Let me run your life. So you say, oh, dear God, please give me the Holy Spirit. You got to get Jesus before you get the Holy Spirit. I mean, it kind of is a little bit simultaneous, but you've got to believe. This is not, oh, I believe that the Holy Spirit saved me from sin. He's part of the process. Jesus, get your Jesus stuff straight, and he moves in. Now, the cool thing about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which no matter how long you could possibly live, you will never wrap your head around what it is to have God himself living in your physical body. The same God who spoke the universe into existence lives right here in this vehicle, this shell. So what is possible? Whatever he wants to do. And if you have him living in you, part of having him move in are gifts, some gift. I don't care how ignorant you feel and how uneducated you are, it has nothing to do with any of that. You are gifted whether you like it or not. It's just going to go a whole lot better when you discover what that is and let him do what he wants to do. Romans chapter 6. A ton of you know this by heart. Some of you have never heard this in your life. Romans chapter 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Merry Christmas. It's a gift. Yeah, but I want to contribute. I want to make a down payment. I want to make payments. It's not possible. It's a gift. You either take it or leave it. Say thank you or no thank you. It's a gift. Another great one, just a few pages over, Romans eleven twenty nine, says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What God promised to the Jews, he will bring to pass. The gifts, the calling, whatever he says is going to happen is going to happen. 
I had a conversation the other day with a guy who sent in a donation, a generous donation to try to help with the radio around the planet. And I called him and it turns out he was a CEO of a Fortune 5 company. Does not live in Dallas. And so we had this great conversation and he said, he said, at some point when I was a young man, I knew that God had a calling on my life and somehow I got caught up into business and that's what I did. And he said, I don't need money, but I listen to you every day and I am trying to help people. That's all I want to do. I want God to use me to help people. So no financial motivation. You say, well, he's got plenty of money. I hate to tell you that if any of you are thinking, if I just had more money, I would be happy. There's not enough money if that's what's going to fix it. There's never enough. So I hear a guy like that talking. And whatever God spoke to him as a young man, it's not reversible. You say, well, what if God did call me? And by the way, if you're thinking, oh, like you got called to be a preacher, I hate to tell you, but you all got called. You just might not have answered the phone. (laughs) You become a Christian, you get called. Now you say, well, aren't there specific things? Yeah, but if you became a Christian and you're gifted, you got called. You say, well, one day I'll let God use me. You're running out of one days. And this isn't going to make much sense until you drop dead or Jesus comes back and you're standing there looking at him. He's going to go, okay, so you were warned by preachers, the scriptures, your family. Like, dude, what were you thinking? And then it's too late. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So Old Testament, people brought animals, things. If it was an animal, the animals didn't survive the process. An animal died in the place of the person. Jesus comes along, and what happens? This tiny baby is born, lives a sinless life, and then he offers himself as a gift to who? Who was he offered to? To the Father. You say, no, he was offered to me. He was offered for you. He was offered to him because only his blood would satisfy completely for sin. So now the Father is appeased. The sacrifice has been made. So you say, well, does God require sacrifice anymore? And the answer is yes, living sacrifice. Because you won't do him any good dead. So I don't know how often you do this, but I can almost tell you 100% that I have never come out here to do this without a little something, something that goes on behind that curtain between me and him. Where no matter how rough the day or the week has been, I make sure everything's cleared up and I say, Father, I offer you my hands and my feet and my eyes and my ears and my mouth and my heart and my mind and my soul and my body and my spirit. I offer you a living sacrifice for you to use me and do with me as you please, which is my reasonable act of worship. So if anything happens here, It was tied to that and getting me, or in your case, getting you out of the way. So I recommend that not just in situations like this. It's not a bad thing to pray before you ever get out of the bed. Father, I offer you, me, a living sacrifice, and I ask you to use me. Don't just live in me, live through me and change the world.
you just cannot imagine what will happen to your day and how even a gathering like this will change because if you wake up and come here with that in mind, then he begins, the Holy Spirit who lives in you begins to move you around and then you see somebody and he says, hey, go talk to her. Encourage that child, give that man a hug. Ask him again how they're doing and again and again till they answer. And then you go home and going, wow, I thought about sleeping in today. I feel more refreshed because I went than if I'd stayed home because he used you in the best of ways. Ephesians chapter two, a couple more and we're done. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what does that mean? Even the faith that you have to believe what you believe is a gift. She said, well, what part do I have in this? Receiving the gift, repenting, saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I changed my mind. I'm going to stop defending my position, and I'm going to agree with your position. That without you, I'm nothing, but with you, all things are possible. I need you to come live in me, through me. Now, please be very clear on this. You say, well, I grew up in the church. I'm religious. I gave money to charity. My dad was this. My mom was that. If you have not unwrapped your gift personally, not everybody in your family, you have transacted with God and you say, God, you're offering me eternal life. It's a gift. Yes. Bought and paid for my name on it from him. And he says, Merry Christmas. And you take it personally, unwrap it and internalize that and say, I received the gift. Come live in me. If that has never happened, he's not in there. You say, but I feel him all around me. That is not the same thing. Having air all around you is not the same thing as having air in you. You can have air all around you and die unless you breathe it in. As many as received him to those he gave the power to become the children of God, the sons of God. Didn't read you part of the definition of gifted. If you go back and look in the history of the word for German gift, it's an old English cognate gift meant bride price, marriage gift by the groom, dowry. So what was the bride price? The groom had to die. Pretty expensive gift. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Let me read you a few lines of something that I love from a little song, not very complicated song. Come, they told me, parumpa pum pum, a newborn king to see. Parumpa pum pum. And I'll leave the parumpa pum pums off from now. And look at the next phrase. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king so to honor him when we come. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. 
I have no gift to bring that's fit to give the king. Shall I play for you on my drum? Mary nodded. The ox and lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me, me and my drum. It appears that the uh, root word of gifted is if. It's a big if. You say, well, am I gifted? I don't know. If you receive it, you have been gifted the gift. So then you got something. But if you don't, then you're not. You might be physically, personality, seeing whatever business, you might be gifted. But until you receive him, it's just still a big if. I highly recommend being gifted eternal life by this Jesus who gave his life, died on a cross, buried and raised from the dead for you and for me and for whosoever will that comes. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.